they're here this morning. Can we, can we do that this morning? Hey, let's give it up for the worship team one more time. Now, I don't know what style of music you like, but if you didn't like that, you don't have a good taste in music. I'm sorry. Hey, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are good. In fact, you are so good that you sent your only begotten son to die for us lost alone in this universe without hope of salvation without hope of eternity and you sent Jesus and that's what this entire this in, entire month this entire celebration is all about is the fact that he came God if Jesus didn't come if he didn't live if he didn't die if he didn't rise again then we are of all men and women the most miserable but we believe and we proclaim today that he did all those things for us Lord, speak to us through your Holy Spirit, God. I am so thankful that I believe you've already spoken to us through the songs that we sang today, through the worship that we experienced, the praise that we got to be part of. But God, you have something more that you want to say. And God, I pray that you would get me out of the way. So many times I am a feeble vessel and I do not deliver your message the way that I need to, but I pray today, God, that people would not hear me, but they would hear you speak. Jesus is the preacher today. Jesus is the one with the message today. He's conveying it through the Holy Spirit, and I pray that we would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the fellowship that we're going to get to have later. We thank you for families and friends that came in today and had photographs made, God, and just the, the celebration that we get to have. But God, I pray it would not just be a today thing, Lord, but it would be all of our lives, God, that we would work, work with you, we would walk with you, we would seek you, and we would follow you. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for your church, God. It is good to be part of your church. It is good to be part of your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. And Rushwood said together, amen. Thank you, thank you so much for joining us today for our Christmas kickoff Sunday. We are so glad that you're here. We didn't order this weather. It's a little foggy and a little bit nasty, uh, but that's all right because God's people have made it here together to worship together. I uh, do want to encourage you. Afterwards, we are having a pancake and sausage meal, as uh, Pastor Jason mentioned. I would encourage you to stay for that. Uh, I know even if you're new here with us, especially if you're new here with us, we'd love for you to get to know some folks. I want to encourage you, too, if you're one of our regulars and you're here a lot, I'd love for you to maybe sit with somebody different than you usually do. Get to know some new folks. We build these things in, yes, to, to invite the community to come in and be part of our worship time, but we also build these things in so that you guys have time to get to know some new, new folks and fellowship with some new people. And so uh, take advantage of that. 
Also, uh, I needed to let you know, we had to cut off the picture line so we could actually have service. You know, that's kind of important. But afterwards, they're going to, if you didn't get pictures made before service, they're going to have that started back up, and you can get your family photos made after service. And we say family photos, but it can be friends or it can be individuals or whatever that needs to look like. But please have your photo made. In a couple of weeks, we'll have those, a, a print copy of that available for you to pick up. It'll be online on our uh, Facebook page even before that. Um, but, but take advantage of that, please. Again, this is part of the celebration that we're having today. Well, today we are starting a new sermon series. It is the last series of the year. Can you guys believe we're to that point? We're to the end of the year. It just seemed like it was just yesterday that we had such a cold snap last January and pipes were bursting in the walls of this place and this place about flooded a couple of times and God was good and protected us and just all sorts of things going on. That seems like it was just yesterday and here we are to the end of the year and we are starting the last series called The Heart of Christmas. The Heart of Christmas. We're still taking it from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 23. We're still looking at the book of Ephesians. And by the way, God is always free to change my mind because he's God. And I thought next year I was going to preach to you through the book of Hebrews. And that's really what I've been looking at. But I never felt 100% certain that that was the direction we are going to go. And over the last couple of days, I feel that God is leading me not to take you guys through the book of Hebrews next year. But almost to say, if, if, if we had 52 weeks of what somebody knows to, needs to know to be a Christian to grow as a Christian. If somebody was just brand new to the faith and they had no idea how to follow Jesus, what are the 52 things that they need to know to follow Jesus and to follow him well? And so that's what we're going to look at next year. Unless the Lord changes my mind again, and of course he's always free to do that, we're going to start a series basically on the basics of the Christian faith, really getting down to the bedrock things that we need to know to follow Jesus. And I believe one of the reasons God has laid that on my heart and kind of changed my mind on that is I believe God is going to bring some new folks into our church who are going to come to know Jesus Christ and they're going to need what I'm teaching. And you say, well, I've been following Jesus for 30 years. Yeah, me too, but I'll tell you this, I need reminding a lot of times. I need to get back to the basics sometimes. So I think it's going to be good for all of us. You pray for me on that. I'm still looking in 2020 to preach through the book of Revelation. That's kind of the idea. That's kind of where I believe God is moving me and leading me. But again, he's God, and he can change things anytime he wants to. But today we're finishing up, and for this month we're finishing up the book of Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 23 is the verse that we're taking this series from. God's word says this, Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. If you catch, there's four different virtues that are mentioned in that verse. There's four different things that I would say are the heart of the Christmas season or the heart of why Jesus Christ came. Peace, love, faith, and grace. Those are the heart of Christmas. Let me put it another way to you. Jesus came to bring us peace because of God's love, and to save us by grace through faith. That's why Jesus came. Can we give God some love this morning? Can we give some praise to the Lord today? I don't know about you, but uh, I, 
when I read the Bible, I try to picture what I'm reading in my mind. I saw a cool thing, by the way. I posted this on my Facebook page. If you started last night because the book of Luke has 24 chapters, if you read one chapter of the book of Luke every night, then by Christmas Eve, you will have read the entire book of Luke, and you will know who we're talking about when it comes Christmas Day. I thought that was very cool. So my family started that last night. We read the first chapter of the book of Luke. We read about John the Baptist. Tonight, we're going to get together, my family, for our devotions, and we're going to read about the birth of Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 2. Look, if you're behind on that, you're only one day behind. You could catch up really quickly. I think that'd be a great tradition for our families to get into God's Word at this time of year. So I'd love to encourage you to do that. But when I tell my kids when I read the Bible to them and when I read other things to them, I say, your job while I'm reading this to you is, number one, to sit down, number two, to be quiet, and number three, I want you to imagine, I want you to envision what's being read to you. Try to picture it in your mind because that really burns it into your mind and burns it into your soul. And one of the parts of the Bible I always love to try to picture in my mind. I have the picture of it. I can see it. And in fact, I have an art background. Maybe I ought to paint it one day, but I've never done that. But when the shepherds first appeared, I'm sorry, when the angels first appeared to the shepherds at Bethlehem, what an amazing scene. I think that is probably one of the most beautiful scenes that the Bible describes. Here you have these angelic beings that are appearing, these beings that are full of light appearing to shepherds who were the outcasts. The shepherds were not the popular people. A lot of times because they were dealing with animals and they were dealing with things that would make them unclean, among the Jewish people, they were the outcasts. They weren't the popular people. But here you have angels, as the song say, says, angels from the realms of glory appearing to these lowly outcasts, kind of the edges of society to proclaim that a king has come. And I think, man, that is such a beautiful, such a beautiful image there, such a great juxtaposition there. And it happens in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. So do this with me this morning. As I read God's word, as I read about the angels appearing to the shepherds, try to picture this in your mind. Try to get a mind's eye view of what's going on here. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15 says, In the same region... There were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Then the, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight into Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I want to talk to you this morning about the message of those angels, the, the things that the angels brought to the shepherds when they said, peace on earth, peace on earth. I was in a store yesterday, and they were, were pray, playing the song by David Bowie and Bing Crosby, if you know that, that song, the little drummer boy mixed with a song called Peace on Earth, and the, the question was, peace on earth, how can it be? It's a great question to ask. It's a great thing for us to think through. 
Because surely when those angels in Bethlehem said that Jesus was born to bring peace on earth, they cannot have meant that immediately at his birth there was peace on earth. I mean, how many wars have been fought since the birth of Jesus Christ? How many countless thousands, how many countless millions of people have suffered and died since the birth of Jesus Christ? How much pain and shame is there in the world? And when Jesus was born at the coming of Christ into this world, all that didn't cease. It still happens. It's still around. So what in the world is possibly meant by these angels who said, Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Well, I think what they were declaring is something a little different than just taking it at face value. I think what they were declaring is this. When Jesus Christ was born, something in this world fundamentally changed. Something in this world changed. There was something set in motion, and the world would never go back to where it was before the birth of Christ. When Jesus came into this world, it brought a change to this world that nothing can stop. It put us on a new trajectory. It put us on a new path. It gave us a new hope. The world was headed before Jesus was born further and further into, into the dark, but Jesus Christ brought us light by his coming. Jesus is the light of the world. You realize, y'all, that Christmas happens at the darkest time of year. Physically speaking, Christmas happens at the darkest time of year. We, we don't know Jesus when Jesus was born, but we're pretty sure he was not born on December 25th. We can almost be certain of that because of the time the shepherds would have been keeping their sheep their sheep out in open fields, we're pretty certain that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. But we celebrate Christmas just after the winter solstice. The winter solstice is the time of the year where the day is shortest and the night is longest. I looked it up to make sure I had it right this year. It will be Friday, December 21st will be the darkest day of the year. The least light that we're going to have is going to happen right before Christmas on Friday, December 21st. But we celebrate Christmas at the darkest time of the year because it reminds us that Jesus came into this world when it was the darkest to bring us light. It reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world. John chapter 1 and verse 9 says this, The true light that gives light to everyone, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus being the light coming into this world. And so through his light and life, Jesus gives each and every one of us a chance at peace. It's not certain that we'll take him up on that chance. It's not certain that we will take him up on that offer. But Jesus, just by his coming, gives us a chance at truly having peace on earth. At least within ourselves, at least within our future, Jesus gives us a chance at peace. Have you ever noticed that this world is crazy? I imagine you have. I mean, you laugh because it's so obvious that this world is crazy. I mean, one little thing that happens to us, one little thing that's off a little bit, can throw into, into reaction a series of, of events that can culminate in some real pain and some real suffering. I had that happen the other day, the other week, and I even posted this on Facebook. I said, you know, when, when you just about break your shoulder and your elbow and your collarbone, and the first thing you think is, well, that'll make a great sermon illustration. You're probably a preacher. You're probably a preacher. And that's exactly what happened to me. Let me tell you the story as best I can. I told my son Liam it's his job to take out the trash around the house. And one night there was a bag of trash that needed to be taken out of the kitchen. And I said, Liam, go take that trash 
out, uh, get it out of our kitchen, get it out of the way. And I'm not incriminating Liam because uh, Liam was actually the one that did not end up taking the trash out. But anyway, I said that trash needs to be taken out. And so we have our trash cans there by our side door and, and, and whomever, I won't incriminate anybody, but somebody in our household took the trash bag and they put it in the trash can in such a way where there was just a little bit of a crack where the lid was held open by the trash bag just a little bit. And that wouldn't be a problem, except that around our house there are two German Shepherd dogs. And that crack to them seems like a buffet has been left open. And so anyway, I went on to bed that night, didn't think anything else of it. And I was actually talking to Julia Calicut, our worship director, about worship, Christmas worship and everything on the phone. Got in the car, still talking to her. I backed out. And as I backed out the next morning, I noticed that one of the dogs had pulled one of the trash bags out and had just torn it up all over the ground, kind of around to the side of our house. And so I said, oh, man, hold on just a second. got to get this trash up because you know if the dog's torn the trash up and you leave it on the ground, the wind's going to get a hold of it, and it's going to blow everywhere, and then you're going to have a bigger mess. So anyway, I got up, and I started to get that trash up and, and get it back in the trash can. And I, 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 I'm a preacher, so I didn't say any bad words, but some may have appeared in my mind for just a second. I don't know. But anyway, got the trash up and got everything taken care of, got in the car, went down the driveway, went and did what I needed to do, and then I came back later. And I noticed that there were a few pieces of trash that I had missed. And so those pieces of trash are down in the front yard, two or three of them there. I said, oh, okay, these dogs, I'm going to shoot these dogs. But anyway, got out of, stopped on the driveway, got out of the car, and I went to get this trash up out of my yard so it didn't blow away, whatever I want, and, you know, didn't want the yard to look trashy or anything like that got these pieces of trash, and as I got these pieces of trash up in my hand, I turned around to walk back toward the house, and you know when you take that step and your foot kind of slips under you a little bit and you think, I bet that wasn't mud that I stepped in. <laughs> nope, that wasn't mud that I stepped in. Mud is not quite that squishy, and it's usually not green, so no, that wasn't mud that I stepped in. And so I was thinking to myself, and this is after, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, it had just rained and rained, and the ground was saturated, and that's going to come back into this story in just a minute. But anyway, I thought, you know what, the yard is too wet for me to wipe my shoes off. I'm going to throw this trash away, and then I'm just going to get one of the kids to bring me like a towel or something. I'll just set my shoes there, and I'll clean them up later. I was tired and everything else. So I get to the door, and I find the door is locked, and I knock on the door, and there's five people in the house, but none of those five people are answering the door. And so I knock harder and, and, and louder and start screaming, yeah, hey guys, let me in, you know. And finally Liam comes through the door and I say, brother, go get me a towel, son, go get me a towel out of the bathroom, one, one that she used, don't give me a fresh towel and let me put these shoes on there because I, I think I stepped in something. And so anyway, left the shoes on the towel, went and did everything I needed to do. And then later that day I had to go back out. And I went to my shoes and I had forgotten, you know, I had forgotten that that happened, but it quickly remembered when I smelled something. And I said, uh, I'm going to have to clean these shoes up before I go out. And I thought, I don't want to take it in the sink, it's all nasty. Let me see if I can go wipe my feet off in the yard. And so we got a little hill, it's probably four or five feet tall right there beside the driveway. And so I went over to the hill to wipe my shoes off and it was too wet at the bottom of the hill. So I walked to the top of the hill until I found a spot that was fairly dry and I decided to wipe my shoes off up there. And I wiped my shoes off and it looked and yeah, it's pretty clean, that'll do. And when I started back down the hill, now remember it had rained a whole lot. 
And I took that first step, and this foot did not stop. It kept going. I mean, it was all I could see in my mind is like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles riding on the skateboard back in the day, you know, cowabunga and all that. And I'm going, my foot goes down the hill. And, y'all, I'm a big boy, okay? Now, if I'm a little skinny guy, this is probably not going to be as big of a problem. But I literally slid all the way down the hill until I hit the ditch at the bottom. And that came down on this elbow so hard. I mean, y'all, like a ton of bricks. I don't know if that says anything about my weight or whatever. But I came down really hard. This elbow is actually still sore. Came down on this elbow. The elbow drove, uh, drove my shoulder up into my jaw, the collarbone and everything. And I mean, y'all, I just about broke everything in my body. Why? Because somebody didn't put the trash in the trash can. If somebody had put the trash all the way in the trash can, none of that would have happened. Y'all, that's the kind of world we live in. I know it's a little bit of a funny story, but that's the kind of world that we live in. One little thing that's off, one little thing that's left undone can lead you to about break your jaw, your shoulder, and your collarbone. I mean, it can all happen because of one little thing. This, we live in a broken world, y'all. We live in a world that's not the way it should be, and that's a funny story. But there are other things that just make us know there is not peace on this earth. There's not peace on this earth at this time. Since I've been back on Facebook, I, I'm friends with actually a, a, a lady who was in school at the time that I was a teacher. And I never taught her, but I taught her brother. And she and her husband are in ministry now, and they added me on Facebook. And so I accepted their request uh, a while back. And about a year ago, this ministerial couple, this pastor and his wife, had one of what I would imagine would be one of the most exciting and joyous times of their life and they found out they were expecting twins and so this why this uh, pastor's wife and her husband I'm, I'm sure they probably knew before the babies were delivered but these twins turned out little girls named Emily and Sophie two beautiful little girls turned out to be conjoined twins two beautiful little girls two two heads sharing one body and I'm sure this family knew that they were not going to make it. I'm sure the doctors had told them that. But it happened about a year ago, so I'm seeing on my timeline her sharing memories and, and the mom talking about missing her daughters. And so these little girls were born two heads, one body. They lived for about a month, and then they went to be home with Jesus. Now, me falling into the mud is nothing compared to that. But it shows you we live in a broken world. What kind of world do we live in? And I understand why people question God because of pain. I understand why people question God because of suffering. Because I think it's a fair question to say, what kind of God would allow a pastor and his wife to suffer and their family to suffer in that way? And of course, the answer is, this is not God's will that it be this way. We broke this world. God made it perfect. God made it good. We let sin enter into this world. And because of that, the effects of sin carry all the way over into things like that. God's world tells us, though, that through Jesus, eventually even creation, even this world, even childbirth, even everything else will be set right through Jesus. And there will be peace one day. Romans chapter 8, verses 20 through 21 says this, For the creation was subjective to futility. Things like that are futility when we have babies that, that don't live past a month. Subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, 
in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, what's that saying? God is making us right, and then eventually he's going to make the world around us right through that baby that was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He's making it right. When crazy things happen, when sad and tragic things happen, we're tempted to despair, but we have to believe and we have to hope one day God will make it all right. One day there will be peace on earth, and that peace will come through the Prince of Peace, this child that was born in Bethlehem. Another story along those lines. It was December 1st, 1863. The place was Cambridge, Massachusetts. A man named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, a famous poet, received a knock at the door while he was eating supper, and the knock was there for bad news. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow had already had enough tragedy in his life. You see, two years earlier, his wife decided that she would preserve a lock of, her, of their daughter's hair, seven-year-old daughter. She was going to preserve a lock of her hair in wax. She was using a candle, and as she was trying to preserve this lock of hair, two drops of wax fell onto the long dresses like women wore in those days, and she didn't notice it. But the wax was so hot that her dress started to catch on fire. About that time, a gust of wind came through an open window, and it caught the flame up. And Henry Wadsworth Longfellow heard his wife screaming in agony, his daughter screaming as she watched her mother be lit on fire. And Henry ran into the other room, and first he picked a rug up off the floor, and he tried to put the fire out with the rug, but it was to no avail. And so Henry discarded the rug, and he decided he would try to save his wife's life with his own body. And he tried to put the fire out with his own body. And he was badly burned, and his wife burned to death. He was so burned that he could not attend the funeral. He was so scarred from, from this accident that he had to wear a beard for the rest of his life to cover up some of the scarring that was on his face. And so Henry Wadsworth Longfellow had already known tragedy when December 1st of 1863 rolled around. In fact, this man, brilliant man, brilliant poet, famous person in his day and also famous in our day, almost lost his mind. For two years, he battled insanity over the death of his wife and how God could allow such a thing. And so at supper at 1863, the bloodiest year of the Civil War, a military courier appears at the door, knocks at his door, and he says, Mr. Longfellow, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but your oldest, son Char your, your oldest son, Charlie, 18 years old, has been gravely wounded in battle. He's been pierced through by a bullet, and it did not hit any of his vital organs, but it did skim his spine, and we're afraid that your son, 18 years old, will never walk again. And so here's Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. He's broken by the death of his wife and, and the tragedy that came into his life. He's broken by the insanity that's been crouching at the door and messing with his mind for two years. And then he finds out, 18 years old, his oldest son may never walk again. And so he struggled mightily with that, and he struggled. How can there be peace on earth? How can there be what the angel said in Bethlehem? How can that possibly be, be true when all these bad things are coming into my life? How can God be good? How can it be reality what God has said that Jesus has brought peace to this earth? And he struggled with it until Christmas Day of, of that same year. 
On Christmas Day of that same year, he could hear the cannons off in the distance. He could hear that the Civil War wasn't letting up even for Christmas Day. And he was really tempted to despair. He was tempted to turn away from God. He was tempted to say, I don't believe any of it anymore. But he sat down to write a poem. And in the midst of writing this poem, he found that he still had faith in God. He found that he still had to believe. The poem is called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Later it was made into a hymn, and then later it's been made into more of a modern Christmas song. One of our worship team is going to come right now, and they're going to present this song to you. And I want you to listen to the despair, the temptation to despair that's in this song, but also at the end of the day that we need to take hope that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. He is the Prince of Peace. There really is peace on earth, and there really will be goodwill toward men. Listen to this song together this morning. on Christmas Day Their old familiar carols play Mild and sweet their songs repeat Peace on earth could will to man And the bells are ringing Like a choir, they're singing. In my heart, I hear them. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song. But peace on earth, goodwill to man. And the bells are ringing. Like a choir, they're singing. Does anybody hear them? God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then ringing, singing on its way. Peace 
Thank you, Pastor Blake. You know, we all have the choice. I don't know if you could hear it turn in that song, but the line that says, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. God is still there. We, have, we all have a choice to make. We can believe in this nihilistic idea that there is no good, there is no hope, it's all useless, it's all futile. We can buy into that, and that goes down a very, very dark path where we can choose to hope and we can choose to believe. I choose to hope and to believe that this is not the end of the story, that God is going to make this world good, that everything's going to be set to right, and one day we're going to see that everything was worth it, and we're going to see that there is a king on the throne, and his name is Jesus, and we're going to experience peace. God will make this world right one day, but there's... A second place that I want to talk to you about peace today. Jesus didn't just come to make peace in this world. Jesus came, maybe an even more important reason, Jesus came that we might have peace with God. That we might have peace with God. He came to bring us peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You were born into a broken world. You were born into a world that was messed up. It's not the way that God designed it to be. God made this world and he pronounced it good and then he made his image in this world which is human beings and God pronounced it very good. This was a very good world to be in. But we allowed sin to enter this world. We allowed temptation to get, a, get us off course and this world became broken through our sin. And so when you were born, each and every one of you, each person that's listening to me today, each and every one of you was born with two things, two very strong realities. One of the realities you were born with, that you were created in the image of God. You are God's image in this world. You are a reflection of the holy. You are a reflection of his goodness. You have that potential and that is still within you. But at the same time that you were born that way, you were also born with the propensity and the incl inclination to sin. 
and to do wrong. What is sin? Sin is a missing of the mark. Sin is a falling short of God's perfect will. And you were born with those two desires. And you have sinned. God is holy and you are a sinner. And what you have to understand is God's holiness and your sin can't get along with each other. God is perfect. He cannot have sin in his presence. And so because of that, you were born separated from God in a very real sense. You were born in need of a Savior. You were born in, in, a, in need of a way back home. So what do we do? Our sin has separated us from God. Well, that's where Jesus Christ comes in. Jesus was born God in the flesh to make payment, to make a way back home, to bring us back in right relationship with God, our Father. Jesus was born and he died to save you from your sin. Look, I know that's nothing eloquent. I know that's nothing new. You've heard it before probably. If you've been around church at all, if you've heard preachers preach at all, you've heard that before. But look, I can't make it any better or any worse. It's simply true. Jesus was born and he died to save you from your sin. Y'all, i got to be honest with you. Can I be transparent? I, I just finished this sermon yesterday. That's never, that never happens with me. I plan things month, months ahead. I basically know what I'm going to be preaching a couple of years from now, usually. But things, we have had one of the craziest weeks. It's been a week where we felt like Satan was really, really fighting our church. And a lot of that has been behind the scenes, and it's nothing that we've necessarily done. It's just been one of those weeks. It's been one of those weeks where you say as a minister, maybe I'm in the wrong profession. Maybe when God called me all those years ago, I just misheard it. and maybe, Or maybe I can serve him some other way. It was one of those weeks. It was a crazy week. But the other night after Bible study, let me take a sip of water here, guys. Again, broken world. Got to have water to even preach. The other night after Bible study, a young lady in our church stayed after to ask me a couple of questions. And the first question she asked me, we had given her a Bible to read and, and to help her get to know God's Word a little bit better. And she said, hey, that Bible you gave me, which we gave her a New Living Translation, she said, I got some family members who don't think that's a real Bible. And I said, yeah, I know, I understand. Let, let me talk to you about that. And, and so she said, why do they feel that way? Is this a good Bible? I said, yeah. She said, I know you wouldn't have given it to me if it was a good Bible. And we explained a little bit of manuscripts and history and all that sort of thing. And I explained to her why I'm right and they're wrong and that sort of thing, and we cleared that up. But then she said, what about this baptism thing? What's that all about? And I said, well, baptism is simply an outward sign of what's already happened within you. It's you going public with your faith. It's you letting people know that Jesus has done a work in your heart, that he's come in and he's the savior of your life, he's your Lord, and you're letting everybody know that you're going to follow Jesus from here on out. And I said, baptism doesn't save you. Water's not magical. There's nothing about it that saves you. I said, it's simply what has happened in your heart. You're expressing it to the world. And, and, and I believe there's good stuff. I believe you ought to be baptized. I believe there's power for living in it, but it doesn't save you. And I noticed, as I said, it's an expression of what's already happened in your heart that this young lady kind of got a look on her face. It was just a little bit strange. And I said, you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, haven't you? And she said, well, I, I asked him to be closer to me. I asked him to come in closer to me and be a bigger part of my life. And I said, that's great, but that's not what I'm talking about. Have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? And she said, well, Pastor, she said, you know, 
there's some more stuff in my life I got to get right before I do that. And I said, oh, no, that's not the way it works. It's good that that's not the way it works. I said, you don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. Because, you see, he loves you as you are. He came knowing how you are. He came knowing more about you than you know about yourself. And still he came and he lived and he died and he rose again to save you from your sins. And I said, you don't have to clean yourself up to follow Jesus. In fact, if you'll accept him and you'll make him your Lord and Savior, he'll clean you up. And he'll give you the power to live for him. I said, you can't do it on your own anyway. You can do some things, but you can't do that on your own. You need the power of Christ living within you. And so I just looked at her. I said, are you ready? And she said, I'm going to cry. I said, that's probably good. You probably should. It's a big moment. Are you ready? Let's pray. And she said, yes, I'm ready. So standing there right out here in our Senior Life Center after Wednesday night Bible study, I led her in a prayer, and I, I prayed, and she repeated after me. And I always love when somebody's doing that when I hear them break down. When I hear their voice start to quiver, when I hear that they know the gravity of what they're doing. And I thought, yes, this, this young lady's sincere. This young lady is really making a commitment to follow Jesus. And so we prayed, and then her, her sister came looking for her because her car was here, but she had disappeared. And she said, oh, no, somebody's kidnapped my sister. But no, we were doing something different. And anyway, she came in, and I looked at this young lady. I said, are you going to tell your sister what just happened? She looked at her sister, and she said, I got saved tonight. And her sister, I thought she was just going to hug her and say, oh, that's so great, that's wonderful. Her sister broke down, and I mean, it was weeping weeping and she said I've been praying for this for so long she said you don't know how much I've prayed for you I've been praying that our family would be saved I would I've been praying that everybody in our family would come to know Jesus and you're the first and she hugged her and she held her neck real I thought she was gonna break her neck she was hugging her so tight and they cried together and it was just an absolutely beautiful sight got to talk to this young lady yesterday and I said what's been the big change since Wednesday night. What's been the big change in your life since you decided to follow Jesus, decided to make him your savior? And she said, I don't know. The biggest change is this. I feel like it's all going to be all right. I feel like it's all going to be all right. I feel like everything's going to be okay. I said, well, would you say that you have peace now? And she said, oh yeah, I have peace now in my life. Probably the main reason I came by here this morning is to tell you guys this. And I'm so glad our, our worship team was on point today, and they did an amazing job. And I enjoyed that worship so much. And I'm really glad that we're going to be able to have some pancakes and sausage and have lunch together and fellowship. And the Holy Spirit will be in that, and that's going to be great. And I'm so glad that our stage is decorated nice. And thank you to those people who worked hard on that. And I'm glad about all that, but that's really not the reason I came by here today. I came by here today to tell you, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and by the way, just coming to church doesn't make Him your Savior. Just reading your Bible doesn't make Him your Savior. Just because mom and dad and grandma and grandpa were Christians, they could have been Sunday school teachers, they could have been pastors, they could have been whatever, that doesn't make Him your Savior. What you have to do to make Him your Savior is know that you're a sinner. Know that you're broken. Know that you have done things that have displeased the heart of God. But realize that 2,000 years ago, God did something about it. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live and to die and to be raised again on the third day so that you can have life and so that you can have peace. And if you don't have any peace in your life right now, the reason is because you don't know Jesus. 
And I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. I told this young lady the other night, I said, it may get harder for you. Satan doesn't like what you just did. He doesn't like that you made a decision to follow Jesus. I said, things may happen. He's going to come against you. He's going to try to convince you that what happened didn't happen. He's going to do all these things to you. But through it all, you can have peace if you know Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today, you can know him today. He can be your savior today. You can pass from death to life. You can pass from darkness to light. You can be a new creation right here today. All you have to do is surrender to him and say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I'm a sinner. I believe that you came to save me. I believe that eternal life is found only in you. Jesus, come in and be the center of my life. We want to give you an invitation today. The worship team is going to come, and they're going to sing a song of invitation. And look, a lot of times I'll ask you, I'll say, hey, just raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus. And we do that here sometimes, but not today. Today, I feel like you need to make it public, more public maybe than you've ever made it before. Today, I think you need to acknowledge that you need a Savior. You need somebody to be the Lord of your life. Maybe if he's not the Lord of your life, I can tell you who's the Lord of your life. It's you. And you're not very good being on the throne of your own life. You need a Savior. You need that baby that was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. The worship team is just going to sing this through one time. At least that's our plan. And if you would like to confess that you need a Savior, if you would like to confess that you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want you to come down in this area right here, and I want you to just stand there and pray. And I promise you somebody will come beside of you. You're, you're not going to be praying by yourself. You say, well, Brent, this is a big crowd. This is kind of tough. I understand. I understand. But I believe also if you won't stand in here, you'll never stand out there. So I'm inviting you to come and I'm inviting you to make a stand. I'm inviting you to choose Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. You'll never regret it. I did it at eight years old. I've never regret making Jesus my Savior. Look, you don't have to have everything perfect. In fact, this is an acknowledgement you're not perfect. He's perfect, so you don't have to be. He'll live his life through you if you'll just let him. You don't have to have everything perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. I've got degrees on top of degrees, and I'm still working on figuring it all out. It's okay, y'all. Jesus has it all figured out. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He'll come in, and he'll change your life, and it'll be the most beautiful thing that ever will happen. I want to invite you to come to the altar. I want you to invite you on this first Sunday of December 2018, I want to invite you to come and know Jesus as your Savior. We're not going to put a lot of pressure on you. We're not going to take a lot of time here. If God's not already worked on you, it's maybe not going to happen today. But I believe he's working on somebody. I believe he's calling somebody. I don't believe I would have preached this today if it was for nobody. Whether somebody shows up down here or not to pray, this wasn't for nobody. This was for somebody. I'm going to invite you to come. Listen to the words of this song. Come, make Jesus the Lord of your life. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you think for what you first at the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, 
Savior, isn't he wonderful? 
feel a strong impression to say this so glad God moved and folks came forward for prayer and to make Jesus the savior of their life really feel a strong impression though and I'm going to say this before we pray somewhere in here there's a young man between 20 and 25 years of age God laid this on my heart you don't think God is talking to you but he's talking to you you didn't have to come forward today, but God is trying to say something to you, maybe more than one. All week as I was preparing this sermon, I had young men in my mind. I feel like God is calling some new young men to come and join his kingdom and to be part of his family. So, brother, wherever you are, it's you, okay? He's speaking to you. Follow him. He's going to keep working on you, and he's going to get you there. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for those who have made a decision to follow you, God. Let their roots go so deep. Let the peace abound in their life. Let them shock us all with their boldness, with the power that you put in their lives, God. We thank you for the salvation that's only offered in Jesus Christ. God, make us the kind of church where people who decide to follow you grow strong grow in maturity, God, that they'll follow you for the rest of their lives and other people will be affected by their lives. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, that we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to you. We just come to you and you do that work. We'll just surrender ourselves to you. God, we're about to have some fellowship time and I pray that you would be in the midst of that. God, if we do that and if we offer that time to you, it is a sacred time. Even if we're just eating pancakes together, God, you can make that sacred through your Holy Spirit and you can do amazing things. And we pray that that would happen during this fellowship time. We thank you for the season of Advent. We thank you as we look to Christmas, as we look to the celebration of Jesus coming to this, into this world, God, that you can take us new places, you can say new things to us, God, that we can be drawn closer to you. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. Continue to pour your blessings out on, our, on your people so that others can be blessed through you. We love you, God, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things, and everyone said together, amen. Look, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Please stay with us. Please eat with us. Get to know some new folks. God bless you. Bring somebody new with you next week. God bless you.